the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know you've acted with integrity, and yet you're being accused of acting otherwise. So how do you hold fast to your integrity? We'll take a cue from the life of Job next, here on Abounding Grace. Join us. For the better part of the book of Job, Job has found himself on the defensive as his best friends, quote-unquote, are attacking him and his integrity. They think that because he's in the straits that he's in, he's being punished for some hidden sin. Today in Job chapter 27, we see Job holding fast to his integrity. It's a good illustration of how we are to respond as well. Please join us with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Job holds fast to his integrity. Two interesting things about this chapter before we actually begin to exegete it. And that is, number one, there is no more back and forth between Job and his friends. We will no longer hear Job's three friends again. More than likely, they feel Job is no longer listening to them, so this, there is no point in continuing their debate. We will hear from Elihu, who is a shadowy character, coming up in just a few chapters. But other than Job and Elihu, the only speaker left is God himself. The second thing that's interesting, particularly in the latter half of this chapter, beginning in verse 13 and going to the end, is that Job is sounding now like his three friends. Because he's talking about, yes, God judges the wicked. Yes, they lay up silver. Yes, it does all go away. They die and no one cries about it. Job, what are you doing? This is very much like Bildad and Zophar and Eliphaz and how they've argued at this point. Job here is going to do something a little bit different. He's going to take their promises. Yep, God judges premises. Yes, God judges the wicked. There's no hope for the wicked. And yet he's going to turn their conclusions around. They conclude, see, Job, all these things are happening to you, so you must be wicked. Job's going to say, yep, all these are happening to me, and it looks like I must be wicked, but I'm not, and here is why. So in this chapter, Job mainly defends his integrity, and he shows us what our response needs to be when God goes to afflicting us. I think Job realizes now. I actually think he has known it from the beginning. But I think it's becoming very clear to him that God is doing something very extraordinary in his circumstances. 
Because Job would recognize, well, yeah, all this happens to the wicked, but not all the time. It's in God's timetable, and sometimes God lets the wicked get away with things in this life, and very often God treats his children more roughly than he does the children of the world. But still, even after saying all of that, he infers, I live with integrity before God. So these judgments are not ordinary. They are not the normal way God works. Job is right. We know more about the background than he did at this point. We know that God is throwing his servant, so to speak, into the fire to mock the devil. Because remember, Satan's accusation. He said, well, God, Job is just serving you because he's a big old rich man. You know, we look at someone like Abraham and we just marvel at his faith. He waited all those years for Isaac. He was a pilgrim and stranger on the earth. And some people might say, yeah, but Job was rich too. If I was rich, I could wait around and I wouldn't cry about it. And we marvel at Paul's faith. Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 12, I boast in my infirmities. I love it when persecution comes. Really? I love it when I feel how weak I am and when I'm oppressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. But some might say Paul had seen the risen Christ. And if I had seen the risen Christ too, I could deal with my sufferings like Paul dealt with his. We've always got all these reasons. Abraham was rich, therefore his faith doesn't really count. Paul has seen Jesus, therefore his faith doesn't really count either. But see, Job goes one step further than any of them and says, What do you do when God takes all of the props, all of the comfort, everything that you had known before that was an encouragement to you, and that testified that God was good to you? What do you do when all of that is taken away from you? When you are in pain constantly, or with a disease, or when you lose your loved ones, and you, you're, just, you're just sobbing, and everything just seems to go black with confusion and uncertainty. What do you do? Well, Job shows us here some of what you are to do. It's not everything, but he shows us enough to encourage us. We're going to look today at the question, what do you do when God just knocks you down? What do you do when everything seems to be taken away? When you are in pain, when you are suffering, when you're crying and God seems just to be silent, what do you do? Well, notice the first thing Job said in verse 2. He said, as God liveth. So here's the first thing we need to remember. And it is remarkable in and of itself. It is worthy really of a whole sermon because a lot of people, when they see bad things happening, think either God is dead or he just doesn't care. And the first thing Job says is, God is living. 
That's a powerful comment in light of what we have already heard him say. In all of Job's suffering, all of his tears, here is his fundamental quest confession. God lives. I don't understand what he's doing, but he is alive. That he does all these things. That he is bringing good out of evil. He's bringing good out of my sufferings. Job doesn't say that specifically, but we can. Because we do see Jesus. And talk about Job having everything knocked out from underneath him. What about Jesus? When he was on the cross, when he's bearing our burdens, when he is in the garden, when he is in the desert being tempted by Satan, and everything is being taken away from him, his confession is very similar to Job's. God lives. God has spoken. I'm going to trust him and his promises and his word no matter what else I see. Now it's true, Job adds, my judgments seem to be severe. Everything I had hoped for, my godly life that I know came from God, all of that seems to be veiled right now in confusion. And the Almighty, He's vexed me. Boy, that's powerful too. Remember that. Remember that the Almighty is the one who does the afflicting, our omnipotent God. When life gives you a crazy blow, it's not life giving you a blow, it's the Almighty. He tries the righteous. He's our Father. And you know, as earthly fathers, we sometimes test our children. We give them tasks that are maybe a little hard for them to stretch them a little bit. And we correct them. We we teach them. If they get out of line, we discipline them. We need to remember this as adults. We need to remember this as Christians. This is not just like, well, I don't know why these things are happening to me. And we may not know why. But we know Who? And that is by far the most important issue. We don't have to know why. We just have to know that our Almighty God is living and He is the one who has done this to me. And I'm safe. I just need to trust Him. I need to believe in His Word. A second major thing Job says in verses 3 and 4 is that he has resolved which is also remarkable. It shows how powerful the gift of faith is, even when we are suffering. It's not we who are strong, but it is God's work in us. And Job is resolved here. He says, as long as I have breath, I will not speak wickedness. My tongue will not mutter deceit. I'm not going to do what my wife tempted me to do, curse God and die. Nor am I going to do, my friends, what you are suggesting I do, to admit that I am a wicked hypocrite. This is, again, a very powerful thing here. Job says in verse 5, I'm not going to justify you. You are not right in your judgments. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. From me. Now, it looks here at first like 
Job is pounding his chest. My righteousness. But now listen very carefully. Job was a godly man. And a godly man always recognizes that any good in me comes from God. It doesn't come from us, beloved. We didn't dream it up. Job says, have I not called upon God? It is because God has called upon me to call upon him. Have I trusted his promises at certain times of my life? Beloved, men on their own don't trust God's promises. Do you understand that? God has done this in Job. So Job says, in effect, I can't justify you, my friends. I can't say you are right and that I am a a wicked hypocrite. Because if I did, then I would be denying God. I would be denying, as we would say, his grace in my life. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. It is not me. God has done it. And I don't understand what he's doing now, Job says. It is beyond me. Oh, I'm frustrated. My, my soul is vexed. But I know what God has done throughout my life. Psalm 119 verse 49 says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which there has caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me in great derision, yet I have not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments of old, O God, and have comforted myself. This is powerful stuff. David here is obviously in the midst of some trouble that he's reflecting on, some some difficulties. And what does he say? Lord, you've caused me to hope on your word. It wasn't me. This is where Arminianism and Calvinism are more than just two schools of doctrine. They are critical for giving us comfort or not when we suffer. Because the Arminian would have to say in his heart, wait a minute, I came up with this myself. I willed myself into this. Whereas those who realize sovereign grace would say, why have I believed God's word? Why have there been periods in my life when I know I've trusted God? God did it. He did it. It wasn't me. Because there's no goodness in me. So David adds in verse 50, This is my comfort and my affliction. Your word has quickened me. It is your work in my life. And verse 51 Even though the proud mock me like Job's three three friends, I have declined from your word, and I remember, O Lord, your judgments of old. So let me put it like this. I remember what you have done in my life. Beloved, do you remember what God has done in your life? We hear, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And we need to think honestly of all the things God has done for us. Think of a time maybe when you were in the middle of a real rough spot where maybe you could have gone either way, morally, spiritually, familially. 
And if the Lord had left you to yourself, you would have walked away. I'm tired of all this. It's just too hard. Yet something held you back. Maybe you were in college and you got in with the wrong crowd and you were drinking way too much, maybe even dabbling with stronger stuff and something got your attention. And you said, you know, I've got to get away from all of this. This is going to kill my soul. That was God at work in your life. You need to remember those things, beloved. Think. Think of all the ways that God has been faithful to you. Think of all the work that God has already done in your family. And life to bring you where you are at this very point in your life. Well, you might say my parents really weren't all that good as parents. But they did get me to church. And they got me to thinking in terms of God and my soul. So that guidance was there. It may not have been as explicit as I want it to be with my own family. But it was implicit And God used that in my life. We're supposed to think of all that God has done for us. Because he did it. It was his mercy. It was his grace. And David said in my afflictions, this is what has comforted me. Oh, right now I'm weeping. But you see what tends to happen when we go through the pain. When we go through the sorrow, whatever it may be. We just simply forget all the good things. All we can think about is, well, I'm hurting. God, what are you doing? I'm struggling. I don't understand it. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do this. I just want to be left alone. Let me go wallow or whatever. Instead of saying, wait a minute. Let me think about all the good things That God has done for me. Has he ever forsaken me? When I called upon him. Has he ever said. I'm not listening to you. Haven't there been times in my life. When I have called upon him. And confessed my sins. And he's brought comfort to me. And peace and strength again. We're supposed to think on these things. Because the Lord is going to test us. And when he tests us, faith has got to have have something to chew on. And what it chews on is God's faithfulness to us. God's work, God's grace, God's mercy in our lives. Back to Job 27. I think that's what Job is doing here. Because Job would never say, my integrity comes from me. What have we already heard Job say? I came into this world naked, and I'm going to leave it naked. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what is Job's confession? Nothing I have comes from me. Nothing. So when he says, I'm holding on to my integrity, what, is he re- what he really is saying is, I'm holding on to what God has done in my life. I'm not going to lie about it. I know what God has done. Right now, 
I know it doesn't look like it. I know, I know, my friends, it looks like I am a wicked man. God is afflicting me. It's crazy. I don't know why, but I'm not going to forget God's faithfulness, God's love, God's mercy, His patience, His goodness, His provision, His truth. Everything that He has done for me, I'm not going to forget it. And he adds there in verse 6, that's why I'm not going to let go of my righteousness. I'm going to hold it fast. But wait a minute, Job. Your righteousness? Are you sure you want to go there? My righteousness? Well, David went there. Look at a few Psalms with me. Psalm 78, a similar idea here to Job. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. Psalm 18.20. There are many, many verses, beloved, where David has used similar language here to Job's. And he says, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Verse 24. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness. 26.1. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Verse 11. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. 41.12, and this will be the last one because I think by now you should be getting the idea. As for me, thou beholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. Wait a minute, David. You have said I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me. Which is it? Judge me according to my righteousness Judge me according to my integrity. I will walk in my righteousness. Or is it original sin and depravity? It is both. But you see, the bridge is grace. And that was, that's what gives us the encouragement. Because like Job, David recognized, there is nothing good in me. I have nothing. I would never call upon the Lord if he did not call to me first. I would never have trusted God's promises, even a little, if he had not given me the gift of faith. So when there is righteousness in my life, it's not perfect, but I want to obey God. I want to walk with him. It is the desire of my life to do so. And where did that come from? God did it. So David would say, Lord, look at my enemies. They don't love you. They hate you. But look at me. Look what you have done in me. And Job is similar here when he says, I'm holding fast to my righteousness because I am holding fast to what God has done in my life. And he is saying this with a trembling voice. He's saying this with tears. But when we read it on the page... It really doesn't convey that tone. But we have seen how Job has looked through our study thus far. He's bleeding. He's got boils. His skin is cracked. He probably looked like a zombie, like a dead man. The last thing in the world anyone would think when they looked at Job is 
There's a righteous man. But that's kind of the last thing they would have said when they looked at Jesus on the cross, isn't it? Jesus trusted God. He was a righteous man. But you know, sometimes righteousness doesn't get the PR. Righteousness doesn't meet the world's standard of glamour and success. It is God's work. It is quiet work. But it is a glorious work. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 